No. Do you no. not know Jock Jams? Are you not familiar? I don't know. What? No? Okay. We'll look into it later. Grace okay. Helvick talks about it all the time. Oh. I know, like, Jack movies. No, Jack Jams. It was, like, a compilation. It, they were, like, compilation CDs. And so, you know, the, like, da na 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 But, like, the sports arena version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack Jams. Oh, I didn't know that was So I was wondering when that came out. Because I feel like 90s was, like, peak Jock jams, ha- but maybe are you going to do the lyrics to that? Are there lyrics? No, so I was just saying the lyrics are like no, I was not. <laughs> but I said, are you ready for this? <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> okay. Insert theme song here. On your mark, ready, set, let's go. Dance floor pro, I know you know. I go psycho when my new joint hit. Just can't sit. Gotta get jiggy with it. Ooh, that's it. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome back, y'all. Welcome to Work to Remember. My name is Zoe, and I'm joined by... Rachel, who just poorly re-spoke the first verse of Jiggy With It. Poorly. I feel like snaps. Oh my god, thank for you. some... Get Jiggy With It. And that was by... <laughs> Sir William Smith. Thank everyone's you. favorite YouTuber. Yeah. <laughs> YouTuber, Wild West hero those are his two greatest works yeah i would of say all so. time yeah definitely honestly not just of will smith but of any actor yeah truly we should really all aspire to that level of greatness so work on that listeners yeah work on that for yourself uh but thanks for joining it for joining us today we <laughs> we're a podcast we look back at warp tour the amazing beautiful 25 years of the best punk rock summer camp on the planet uh, this it was a really tight race. There were a lot of competitors. <laughs> really, <laughs> you know, pop punk summer camps. It's a very convoluted market. It is. You know, this one really rose. Warped Tour really rose to the top. Uh, but we like to. We decided that we wanted to look back at each year of the tour, see what was happening, what bands were performing, what the controversies were, which what were the really beautiful things happening that year, where'd they go, what'd they do. And throughout all 25 years, we also love to look back at, of course, the music and the cultural phenomena that was happening around yeah. all of these bands. The cultural moments that made the year with and without pop punk. Exactly. Because they're all one and the same, baby. Absolutely. Because nothing exists in a vacuum. Um, I guess except space. A vacuum. But yeah, there we go. <laughs> Can you believe we're sober for this? I can't. Uh, no. Um, so we also, of course, love to talk about our own experiences with the scene and Warp Tour specifically, and then, of course, the bands. So there's always a healthy dose of Rachel's hot takes and some just random knowledge. That my, my hottest take is that I just love Scott. That's about it. <laughs> I don't think I'm that hot of a take. Rachel loves Scott. Oh, no, I, I hate Matt Skiba. That's my actual there, That's hot your take. actual hot take. That comes up a lot. Sorry, it's, guys. I hate Matt Skiba. Yeah. Sorry. Matt Skiba, friend, really big listener of this podcast. <laughs> Matt Skiba, nemesis of the <laughs> Next week, we're going to dive into Warp Tour in 1998, what the fourth year of the tour was like, and get all that nitty gritty for you. The lineup. 
the the best songs compilation all that jazz some actually really really definitely listen to you guys next week because it's going to be really interesting with some new additions to the tour um that were not necessarily part of the music but that were just added to be other features some really cool stuff happened but this week to get you all pumped for next week we are going to talk about our favorite songs from 1988 in the punk pop punk ska swing ska world that's my getting jiggy with it which was a single released in january 1998 i checked there we go um so today should be a really great time there was a lot happening in music we're getting up to the new millennium and a lot of really exciting things are happening so we're gonna kick off our song today rachel's gonna start us off with our first pick if you haven't listened to one of these before when we talk about our favorite songs from a certain year, we don't tell each other what we picked, so it's a bit of a surprise for each of us as well. Um, and then uh, it's just a fun, fun time. So Rachel's going to start us off. Away by Godsmack. Their debut, technically, their debut album. Really? It was their debut? Well, this was the first, uh, like, legit big label release that they ever had. Gotcha. And it's um, self-titled, 1998. The album art is iconic, other than her eyebrows. I root for her, this girl (laughs) on the cover. I love everything about her vibe except her very late 90s eyebrows that stress me out. They are very thin. Very thin. Very thin. So... (laughs) I have a lot of thoughts about this. Yes, please. Really revved on me. So, so this was their debut album, but it was largely songs that they had been playing around. I think it's Boston. Am I full of shit? No, they're from Massachusetts. Okay, great. A city, not Boston, technically. Right around, but they like rose to fame in Boston. Something with a W. Yeah, Boston area. Their first CD was titled "All Wound Up." It was recorded in just three days for two thousand six hundred (laughs) dollars. And so for, like, the next two years, they were playing around the Boston area. Eventually, that CD got in the hands of a nighttime DJ for a Boston radio station. And the radio station put Keep Away into a heavy rotation. So Keep Away is actually... I feel like I chose well. Keep Away and whatever are really well known by them. But Keep Away was, like, initially what was on the radio waves in Boston. And then people started requesting it, word of mouth, you know. You know the deal. So they sold CDs at this, like, local, like, New England record store. Um, on consignment and then shortly after keep away like really took off and then they went back into the studio to record whatever which became the new local favorite after that and then um they got signed by uh 
Republic Records, which is Universal. Mm-hmm. So major label yeah. in 1998. So this was their, like, arguably their debut in the, in the quote-unquote mainstream of this era. So anyway, long story long, <laughs> it's a really interesting time for Godsmack. They were, like, around before then. But 98 was really when they, like, hit it, when they were well-known. They played Warped that year, I believe. Yeah, they played Warped mm-hmm. that year, which was part of why I picked them. And they just fucking wail, my dude. I love it. And so I think 97, we talked a lot about ska, partially because I'm biased, but also because like so much of the lineup was ska. But I think 98 is very ska heavy. It is. To my delight. But there's a lot more metal influence that becomes... Yes. I mean, I think there's always been metal influence in Warped, like from the years prior that we've discussed as well. But I think 98 marked a really distinct shift. And I think it was a really big precursor to the hardcore and screamo that would later dominate warped you know 10 years after the fact but i think it really kind of laid the groundwork for that so i wanted to pick someone metal for sure to you know rep that vibe because this was very much bumping it at warp tour around the yes. world and godsmack really like rose to fame super quick and you know toured around the world and i think metal has a weird i need to look more into it but I feel like metal makes it really big in foreign countries. Pretty like, it's pretty yeah. wild. More so than like enough. a pop punk band would, in my opinion. Right. And I need to like look at the numbers and shit. But I feel like it wasn't unheard of for these like really specific metal bands to be like huge in Japan. Yeah. And then like you know other bands would get there, but and Warped did eventually go to Japan, which wasn't it this year. It was this year. It was '98. Yeah. So as an example, but I think also what's interesting about '98 is like the globalization that was coming up. And I'm sure you'll talk yes. about this in the history episode, but I think Godsmack is a household name in a lot of ways, even this many years after the fact, even if you can't name a single Godsmack song, you know, they're a band, right? You've heard <laughs> like, of them. You've heard of them. You know, they exist. Yeah. They're famous. People wear their t-shirts, you know, they're metal adjacent. Like, I guess they're metal, but I always yeah, think of metal as th- like harder to understand. <laughs> so I think they are, I would almost I wouldn't classify them necessarily as like new metal, right? Which they're is like in, in between. Yeah. yeah, they're like hard. They they bridge hardcore metal. Well, and they're still palatable for a pop punk audience, which is right. part of why I love them. Which I think is your comment about um, the kind of globalization of metal. I feel like I agree with you. I think you can understand the lyrics less, but the that bass is so heavy yeah. and low, and their songs are angry in a way than they're more angry than pop in some weird way like Mm -hmm. and i'll get into his vocals in a second because i have a whole thought on those but i feel like especially for countries that didn't have english as a first language i think Mm -hmm. the mood in metal songs was very specific right and traveled a little easier than pop punk which I think pop punk lends itself well to international yeah. audiences because at the end of the day, it is a vibe. Yeah. I feel like it's a feeling but and you can get into it and not know what they're talking about. pop punk. Yeah. As opposed to like metal, there is no humor in metal necessarily. Right. Not always. Not, I mean, guar. True, true, true. My true. ride or die. Guar is its, yeah, which very much. <laughs> they're is, their own Yeah. Thing. <laughs> but um, no, I totally agree. And yeah. I think, yeah, I agree. Because I think pop punk obviously is, hu- to this day, it's hugely popular yes. overseas. Yes. And has a lot of cultural resonance and there's yeah. a lot of k-pop and j-pop fans that take direct influence sure. from punk metal and pop punk yeah um to this day yeah. especially in 2019 when like bts is like dominating the charts everywhere right. you know stuff like that but um yeah i i agree i think metal travels easier because yeah. it's it's a feeling and the music lends itself to almost not needing lyrics yeah 
Then I looked up the lyrics because I was listening to the song, not knowing all of the lyrics, obviously. Yeah. So I was aware of Godsmack, but I wasn't like hugely. I think I might be a stand now. We'll see what happens. Uh, the lead singer had a low-key problematic moment in 2010. Of course. But, you know. Because of course. But, you know. So the song, <laughs> the lyrics are, sickness spilling through your eyes, craving everything you thought was alive. Yeah. <laughs> Stab me in heart again. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Drag me through your wasted life. Are you forever dead? What? And then what you heard is, do like I told you, stay away from me, never misunderstand me, keep away from me. What a vibe. Um, but growing up in the early 2000s with my brother listening to whatever the fuck music we were allowed to, like my parents just kind of let us roll with whatever if we liked music. They're like, sure. But especially like ages 10 and up, I got really into um, like Papa Roach, System of a Down. Yes. Uh, oh, and that geez. kind of like gravelly, like... But weirdly crisp. Like, they enunciate in a way that you don't expect. That's almost like a pleasant surprise. And yet they're so, like, gravelly and, like, weird sounding. I don't know. But they're also... Those all... All those bands have such distinct vocalists. And yet, they all kind of sound the same. Which I love. They do. So this is the... This is what I wanted to say about... Oh, and... Well, and I have a huge Static X phase. Oh, okay. Talk about... He's, like, the peak of this vibe. Listening to them totally reminded me of this weird little phase I had in like fifth grade where I, I bought a Static X album and used to slap it. Wow. At 10. I was wow. a weird kid. But when I was 10, I also had a huge swing music phase. I listened to Louis Prima a lot. And then Fever You Can't Sweat Out by Panic at the Disco came out. I, it was a year for me in a big way. I just want to let you know. But yeah, so this kind of brought me back like, um, and listening to like System of Down and Papa Roach with my brother and just kind of like getting mad for no reason. So anyway, long story longest, but please tell me your thoughts. I have thoughts. I have many thoughts. First of all, first of all, I do, I appreciate that you brought a metal song into the lineup for today because, and this will be talked about more in next week's episode about the tour itself in 98, but one stop on this tour in Wisconsin was the tour, the Warp Tour and OzFest, Mm -hmm, OzFest mm -hmm, joined mm -hmm. together and I it read was that. this huge metal meets pop punk thing. And from by all, and I'll, we'll talk about it more next week, but by all accounts, it was very much just like everybody was glad there weren't a lot of fights. Um, <laughs> like everybody just kind of held it together. Yeah. So I, I agree. I do think 98 had more of a metal influence. Metal itself was starting to come out more in the mainstream, obviously with like with Godsmacked and some other bands at the same time. Um, I have two things I kind of want to talk about with Godsmack. One, there is this vocal effect that these singers do where they, they do all sound the same because they're literally all trying to sing in this way where you can, almost anybody can imitate them because when you try to imitate them, it's like, they're very much doing a voice. They're very much doing like an accent, but yes, no, but exactly. It's very manipulated. If you listen to them speak, their speaking voices almost never sound like their singing voices. Their singing voices all come from like a very guttural place. It's really back of the throat. It's there's a lot of tension in that sound. I mean Pearl Jam. Yeah. Oh. I'd be remiss to not mention Pearl Jam. Exactly. And I think grunge was a huge influence on this as well. Sure. Don't be wrong. We always hearken back to, you know, Cobain yeah. in ninety four and the very yeah. much warped tour came out of that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I just always think of the Jeremy like, exactly. That's very that is. It became this like the lead singer to be a good metal lead singer. You had to be able to sound like Cobain mixed with Scott 
uh, step, which is the thank you. I saw it on your phone. I was yeah. like, I knew it was an SS. Exactly. Mixed with share. Oh, Cher. Cher is the greatest metal singer of all time. Dude, she... I would argue that, that every is, single metal singer of all time was influenced by Cher. Yeah. Whether they know it or not, Yeah, they were. But if you listen to Cher's speaking voice, you notice that she speaks with that kind of backspace in her with mouth that kind already. of cadence. Yeah, yeah. So her... She's not faking it. Everyone exactly. else is just trying to be Cher. Well, that's what I mean. Exactly. Like, when these men... Most of the time it's men speak, you can hear that they're, it's, it's, their pitch is lighter it's higher up in their their range and they sing they throw it back in their throat and they just wail on it and yes it's very it is very share like which i maybe that's why i love it so much i think it just unlocked something within me that we all just love because i love share well i love share and i feel like this all makes sense now yeah um so it's uh for me it's again not necessarily a, a, a vocal sound that i enjoy listening to but i do see how it influences it. a lot of things Godsmack in Missouri. Growing up in Missouri, the like the music that we had access to, a, lot, a fair amount of punk, sure, but like it was mostly country and then top forty. Mm-hmm. And so we really got out of like the metal scene, the new metal scene. We really got whatever was like you know branched into mainstream enough. So we did have Godsmack, but the kids that listened to Godsmack were like. Um, the kids that weren't maybe hardcore enough to be goth and like hadn't, we hadn't gotten to like emo culture yet. Like their hair was a little scruffy and they wore a lot of Metallica t-shirts, but like that was it. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really like a vibe necessarily that really fit, which is inherent of all of these genres. But like in Missouri, it was just never something that really stuck around. Mm -hmm. Um, so I really didn't have much of a... I really didn't grow up with any kind of metal because um, it just really wasn't. I mean, it was around. Don't get me wrong. There were definitely people interested, but it really wasn't quite as permeating. Mm-hmm. I think in the Midwest as it has been on the coast. Yeah. Um, at least in my experience. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you you know if you grew up in the Midwest and you were like the only thing I did was like live and breathe metal and like there was a metal show every night in my hometown. Please tell me on our socials. Like, yeah. I'm very interested. No, because again, like. My experience is just my experience, but from what I saw in middle of the map, it wasn't quite in that same vein. And the people who really were, especially in the mid 2000s that were really into Godsmack, it was, I think because of things like Papa Roach and other bands that became like almost caricatures of the genre, Mm -hmm. it just like lost its edge in a way. So you really had to like go for like the harder stuff. song for those of you who've been screaming why we haven't played this band here you go
this is the kids aren't all right by the offspring yes bitch finally finally So this is off of their album Americana. Uh, it is their fifth. It's the fifth studio album by The Offspring. So we haven't talked about them so far because I've, I've wanted to talk about Americana. It's by far. I would say probably their. It's a, it's one of their biggest albums. Yeah. It was a huge success. It debuted uh, in '98, November of '98, uh, at no, the number six spot on the U.S. Billboard 200, Shit. which is huge for. A pop punk band, any of the like that's it's just big. It's a big deal. Huge. <laughs> um, it's technically their second best selling album after their '94 breakout smash. Did it come out and play, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so this album uh, was they actually surprisingly they weren't on Warp Tour of '98. Um, they actually really wouldn't play Warped until... No, yeah, I think we talked about it. We talked about them. Was yeah. it... What year was it? Was it 96? Was it 97? I don't know. The Offspring was around, and they were doing so well that... I think we talked about it because I was like, I don't think they played Warped that often because they were too successful. They were. No, they were. Exactly. <laughs> they just didn't have time. They didn't play Warped until, like, two, the 2000s. Yeah. yeah. Because they were on their own tour. They were headlining their right. own shit because they were so good. Mm-hmm. Um... And, and they, so beloved. Yeah. They did play the 99 Woodstock Festival the next year uh, because they actually put out a second, uh, or they, this album came out the year after Ixnay on the Ombre, which came out in 97. So it's actually a really quick turnaround for an album, yeah. especially the fact that they were touring. They were actively touring the whole, whole time. time. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. Um, so this song is, uh, The Kids Aren't Alright. It's, for me, like one of the emo incarnate songs like that opening it that intro on the guitars is i mean it's iconic it's it was different enough for the time but it really holds up against all of the emo that was to come yeah mike hem the used yeah it like they drew you can you can hear the the influence the offspring had in that music so much yeah um this, it's a bummer of a song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will give you that. The, um, I, I mean, it, it references uh, suicide, ODing, um, being, you know, just having burnouts and dropping out of school. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's it's not, I mean, they really, when they say the kids aren't all right, I mean, it's very like face value of a song lyric. Like there's not really... <laughs> it's hard you can't misread this song mm-hmm. um but musically it is it still keeps you dancing and i think mm-hmm. i i appreciate that they're talking about these really hard themes but they didn't make it a ballad i think right. it would have been easy to make it a ballad and really easy to make it kind of like a um 
I don't know why I'm thinking like Les Mis, uh, empty room, <laughs> empty chairs and empty tables, but like you could see this being like really like weepy. Yeah, and or especially like 90s MTV. It could have been like a 90s MTV, like Sarah McLaughlin equivalent yes, of like right. a PSA song. Yeah. Which it kind of is, but yeah, it still slaps. You're still in it. It very much fits within the canon of The Offspring yes. and within that album in particular. Yes. It's a vibe and people yes. rage to it. And then all of a sudden you hear, oh, she committed suicide. And you're like, whoa, literally, whoa. Yeah, whoa. But straight up. The chorus in the song is chances thrown, nothing's free, longing for what used to be, still it's hard to see, fragile lives, shattered dreams. Right. So again, it's a bummer of lyrics, but the song itself really, I, I, I think it's one of those songs where like, even though it is such a downer, if you really think about it, it's it's kind of like you have to just keep moving through this hard, yeah. hard stuff. And if you don't just keep just keep, you know, headbanging and, and dancing and feeling something, you'll fall into, into like a lot of, of despair. So it's, it's hard shit. Um, but it's just so, it's still, I mean, catchy is the wrong word, but it's, it just really, it captures. It hooks you. Yeah. The hook. Thank you. And I think that's the power of like what you said. It's the power of them not making this a ballad. Right, yeah. Absolutely. They very much made this like a hard, pumping punk song that kids want to dance to, and then all of a sudden, oh, kids are listening to the message as well. Right, exactly. So the frontman Dexter Holland said about this album um, that it, it wasn't a condemnation. The songs on Americana aren't, they're not condemnations. They're short stories about the state of things and what we mm-hmm. see going on around us. Um, we want to expose the darker side of our culture. So it may look like an episode of Happy Days out there in America, but it feels more like Twin Peaks. And so that's a, where we also get that. What a dope quote. Right? And so that's where we get... It th- seems like Happy Days, it's more Twin Peaks. <laughs> I it's... really like that, and I could write like a t- 10-page essay minimum about yeah. that quote on its own. So that's, I think, what... Um, and he told that to Frank Vega of the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, that That's where we get the Americana title of, mm-hmm. you know, Americana gives you that image of white picket fence and 2.5 kids and new cars and your refrigerator. That's like brands making new and everything. It's like very kitschy and pastel and in true punk fashion, they are very anti that, but also... Um, again this song is just very face value like he he's right they they in this song i don't feel like they put necessarily a value to the those things that happen to those people in the song they're saying this is the reality of what we're seeing in the world mm-hmm. which unfortunately still holds very true yeah. to the world that we live in today so that's my thoughts on this song it's a kick-ass song we'll talk about another really big song on this album uh, in the honorable mentions, unless Rachel picked it, in which case I did not pick. The oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't pick the offspring. This so time. there is one more. Honor- there's one more. The most famous song of this album is my honorable mention, and I didn't pick it just because this. I think uh, the kids aren't all right is a better musically musically better. Song. And I think it's also more culturally. It still plays on the radio waves to this day. I think yeah. it's it's definitely still permeating a lot of people's minds, a lot yeah. of people's uh, consciousness, especially in the era we are in currently. Mm-hmm. 
Rachel, play us your so, second choice. Don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at you. This is All My Best Friends Are Metalheads by Less Than Jake. Excellent. Do you know about his strength and convictions? Or how she puts all the faith in religion? Did we take the time to really discover how little we know about each other? Keep us from saying anything. Can't separate from everything. Yeah, no. One, the title, amazing, which is why I led in with Godsmack, because this was the metal year of Warped, and then this charming ska band, who is a Warped Tour staple and remains to this day a Warped Tour staple, yes. have the song by this title. It opens with a clip from some old thing. <laughs> this is a fair request, and I promise I will not judge any person only as a teenager. If you will constantly remind yourself that some of my generation judges people by their race, their belief, or the color of their skin, and that this is no more right than saying all teenagers are drunken dope addicts or glue sniffers. It's clearly from some, like, 50s, like, high school video, informational video. But it says, um, I will not judge, I promise I will not judge any person only as a teenager. That you will constantly remind yourself that some of my generation judges people by their race, their belief, or the color of their skin, and that this is no more right than saying all teenagers are drunken dope addicts or glue sniffers. <laughs> That's the intro. <laughs> so I feel like for every Godsmack, for every Everclear, for every dad of Warped Tour across genres, there is the less than Jake. Yes. The less than Jake who are speaking to the teens directly. Who are speaking not from a place of experience, but from a place of current status. <laughs> so there's automatically there's this very tongue-in-cheek, self-aware introduction, hearkening back to the punk vibes of fuck the establishment, let's make fun of our elders. <laughs> but then the actual song, I think, actually reminds me a lot of, uh, I brought up the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, let's face it, recently. And that was, like, their woke jam about, like, don't be racist and <laughs> yeah. don't be shitty. And I think this is very much less than Jake's equivalent of that. It just yeah. so happens to be more punk-driven. Like, that intro before the brass comes in, you would think is, like, a regular pop-punk song. And then all of a sudden, you're like, bitch, this is ska. Like, instantly, like, the bass comes in and the brass comes in. The you're brass. like, are we about to skank? It's happening. Which is why I thought you'd hate it because it's a bait so and switch. So many songs have that... Burr, 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 burr. That is in... Yeah. Every ska song. Yeah. I'm pretty sure But that's... it's also in so many pop punk songs. True, but like in the brass specifically. Yeah, specifically as brass. Do you know what song I'm singing right now? No, you can pick like 18 different songs yeah. for that. But there's something beautiful about it. I mean, it is, but it's also like, <laughs> there are multiple things you can do with brass I hear instrument. the nuance within all ska. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> but essentially, my point being, it's a pretty woke song. And they, I mentioned, I don't, I'll mention it again, but... I think part of why Less Than Jake is so prolific within 
the scene and within Warped Tour especially is because they skirt the line between being like a hard and fast ska band Mm -hmm. and a hard and fast pop punk band. Yeah. They're in between truly. They're really fun to dance to. You can skank to them, but you can also like low-key mosh to them, just a skosh, you know, like a fun pop punk way. And so it kind of makes ska more palatable for the kids that weren't quite into ska yet. I think less than Jake is the gateway ska. Mm -hmm. You can quote me on that. Um, And then I also think that ska kids you know, people who were just there for Ska would listen to Less Than Jake and then they'd give Blink-182 a chance. You know what I mean? True, I think they're both ways kind of the gateway. Yeah. And I think that's part of why they're so perfect for Warped and why they play Warped so often is because they embody all of that. And there's such a weird cross-section of fans of other bands who like Less Than Jake enough Mm -hmm. to be there. But the lyrics of this song... Um, do you think it's strange that there's a way of how you look and how you act and how you think? Pretend they're not the same as you. Do you think it's strange that there's a way of how you look and how you act and how you think? So they're saying, like, isn't it strange that, like, we judge each other and we don't know anything about each other? So they say, pretend they're not the same as you. Do you know about his strength and convictions or how she puts all her faith in religion? Did we take the time to really discover how little we know about each other? So it's like, live beyond the labels. Like, we pretend we know so much shit about each other and we hate people for no reason, except for, like, a word or a label or an identity or, like, one factor about them. And then we don't really think about how little we know about each other as people. Mm -hmm. I think that's so cool, especially for this scene and for these, like, chill white dudes to be talking about, you know? Yeah. And so I really like it. I think it's fun. It slaps. It's lively. It gets me jacked. And it, they played Warped so many times. I I would be remiss to not pick Less Than Jake. We've done enough episodes of this show now, and I talk about Ska in every episode, and I've mm-hmm. never picked Less Than Jake. <laughs> and it felt right. Yeah. But of all of the really self-aware, woke songs of 98, of these people introspecting and talking about what's wrong with America and what's wrong with the world, yeah. I thought this was the most fun pop-punk summer camp version. Yeah. I mean, I, if I was going to have to listen to a ska band for the rest of my life, it probably would be less than Jake because they do have, if you took out the brass, his vocals are way more akin to a pop punk vocalist yes. than a ska vocalist. Very much. Um, they have that kind of like harsher kind of growl to them. They're a little more gravelly. Um, and the instrumentation on this song, again, without the brass is more of kind of your traditional like four piece um two guitars a bass and a and drums like it it definitely has less of the kind of like cacophony that can be ska in a good way i don't Mm -hmm. i'm not slagging us of course um i actually i do i agree i think like i appreciate where this song is coming from i think it's a good foil to a lot of things that were otherwise being played because you can imagine again like if you're in wisconsin that one day and you went and saw ozzy osbourne and then turned around and went and listened jake like it's a bit of whiplash yeah i kind of like that yeah um i think musically i really appreciate the harmonies we get at the end the layering of that Mm -hmm. chord being built at the very end and then coming coming off of it that's really nice the key change in the middle of the song is lovely not something that you see in a lot of uh music in general outside of classical and musical theater because a key change requires a certain level of musicality that not necessarily everybody has right away it's also not necessarily useful in every song you know Mm -hmm. in three minutes you don't really need to go through a bunch of keys 
Um, so it's nice. Like, I think those are nice touches. They definitely kind of elevate, in general, what they're doing uh, on stage. So, yeah, I know I appreciate it. I I agree. Less than Jake, we got to include them at some point. I think this is a good episode to do it. This is a good, this is a fun song. You know, it's, it's, it is ska. <laughs> so it's, it's. Yeah. I think know. it embodies everything that we've been talking about about 98, though, yeah. of this, like, awareness, this emotional and political awareness. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, it was still the, Hanson was top of the charts, baby. Mm-hmm. Like, there was still a lot of yes. bubblegum happening. Yeah. And I feel like Less Than Jake is, is the answer to all. I agree. <laughs> Alright, this is my second choice. Here we go. Riot by Cherry Poppin' Daddies. Yum. I love cherries. Who's that whispering in the trees? It's two cities and they're only pipes and chains and swinging hands. Who's your daddy? Yes, I am. Bad cat came to play. Now you can't run fast enough. You best stay away when the pushers come to shove. So this is off of their album of the same name, Zoot Right, which technically was released in 1997, but they played one and only year of Warped Tour, as far as I know, which was 1998. Well, and wasn't this a single? Yes. Or it charted in 98? Yes, I think it charted in 98. Um, It was... uh, Oh, so it was independently released in 97. It was reissued and nationally distributed by a major label, Mojo Records, uh, in in 98. So Godsmack and Cherry Pop and Daddy's went on a very similar journey. Yeah. Who knew? Who who the fuck knew? That led them both to Warped Tour 1998. <laughs> I wonder if they hung out. I Something tells me probably not. Probably. What if they weirdly got along so well? Maybe. I feel like Less Than Jake and Cherry Pop and Daddy's would hang. Yes. Honestly, Hepcat, who were also on the lineup, Hepcat and Cherry Pop and Daddy's probably passed around fat blunts all day. Probably. I mean, I would assume with like the, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, technically this song is in the genre of jazz and swing. So it's really not in any of the genres that Warp Tour would be known for. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like they, I don't, you know, I don't actually, I don't fucking know why Kevin Lyman was like, you know who we need on this year? I know why. Rachel, you know why. Tell me why. Because this point in the 90s, the swing renaissance that they had, or I guess it, renaissance is probably the wrong word. It's more of a, what's the word I'm looking for? 
resurgence? Yes. The swing resurgence was in full swing, pun intended, at this point. Mm. Big Bad Voodoo Daddy played the fucking Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, swing was out. huge. Wow. I don't know if they did 98, but I'm pretty sure. That's I'll look fun. it up later. They don't did. don't fact check me, to quote my favorite podcast. Um, don't fact check me, but 99% sure Big Bad Voodoo Daddy played the Warp Tour, ha- or the Warp Tour, the Super Bowl halftime show. So this swing resurgence was so finite in the grand scheme, but it was so huge at this time. And I think why Kevin Lyman would pick it and why Warp Tour is weirdly the perfect home for it mm. is that at the end of the day, Warp Tour is a place for alternative stuff, mm. for like weird fringe kind of stuff that a lot of people really love, but they don't really belong anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And Cherry Pop and Daddies was charting. Cherry Pop and Daddies were popular and especially with young people and they were this kind of weird specific outlet they didn't quite fit with like traditional swing bands mm-hmm. but they didn't fit with rock bands i think warp tour is the weirdly it's weirdly the perfect home for them in 1998 mm-hmm. it makes complete sense to me that they'd be there even though on paper you're like what the fuck but it you know what i mean yeah because it's it's a home away from home for these yeah, weird true. For this weird melting pot of what's happening. And they're close enough to Ska, too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you see photos of them performing, like, they... I know this song is called Zoot Suit, right? But, like, they weren't wearing Zoot Suits. Right. Like, they they very much, like, had the look of, I think, of, like, of, of a Ska band. Right. So you could kind of mistake Which was them. funny, because my boss tones wear suits. So. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and are very warped tour. Um... I guess technically they are called the daddies. Uh, they actually went through a big censorship issue in the early 90s because of the cherry poppin'. Uh, kind of rightly so, because honestly, I hate that name. It's gross. So they're from Eugene, Oregon. Um, oh my God. Yep. They established in New- Eugene, Oregon. I had no idea. Yeah. For listeners, I went to college there. There we go. Um, and this... So Zoot Suit, if, if you're unfamiliar, the Zoot Suit rides were actually a real thing. Uh, It was a clash between um, the military and primarily um, the Latinx uh, culture um, uh, in Los Angeles, specifically. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the zoot suit was this oversized suit that um, many people in like Harlem and bigger cities would wear to these big swing clubs. It was just the style. But it became known for specific um, racial groups. And so people wearing zoot suits were targeted for it. Um, so fucked up. Yeah, and people looked at the oversized suits as like an unpatriotic waste of resources in the 40s right. during World War II. And so it was really just a guise for the American military and police services who were majority of white people to go after minorities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, very... Uh, Controversial to say the least. So this song itself, the lyrics are, I mean, you you get the idea that it's kind of like dance hall vibe, but there's that underlying. There's pressure. a sinister yes. underlying threat. Very much. Um, like, and there could be a raid any minute. Yes, you kind of get that like anxious like, oh boy, like something somebody could like come in here and they're gonna right. throw, you know, the whole thing. The the. Um, the song starts with, who's that whispering in the trees? It's two sailors and they're on leave. Uh, pipes and chains are swinging hands. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Yes, I am. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> fat cat came to play. Now you can't run, run fast enough. You'd better stay away when the pushers come to shove. So they reference these, this um, aggression and this fighting between the cultures. 
Um, which I think is, again, all the songs we've talked about so far tonight have been, you know, really pointing out the problems in, uh, especially in America, but we go from Americana in the late nineties from, uh, the offspring that's really referencing the issues right now to Zoot Suit Riot, which is referencing, you know, 50 years previously where we're still having these clashes. Throw back a bottle of beer. I think um, growing up on the West Coast and being, you know, adults touring musically in the 90s, yes, the Zoot Suit Riots are from 50 years ago, but it's still Rodney very... King Riots were not that long ago. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's very, I think there are a lot of parallels there. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, musically, it's a great swing song. Um, it's It's got a great beat. You know, they've got some great brass. The last chord is really fun and jazzy. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's like a minor seventh with probably like a suspension or like an add nine or something. So, it's, you know, again, we get this higher music. The musicality is higher in these genres because we just, A, we have more instruments. We can do more things with the chord structures. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really, it is very interesting that, that this song was being played like you said exactly at the same time mm-hmm. you know 30 minutes before you go listen to Godsmack you can listen to Zoot Suit Riot and they exist they coexisted yeah. and I think it, it is again it's a testament to <laughs> this tour that there was a place where everything could coexist even for just for a little bit yeah. I mean even our era you could go see Katy Perry yeah young Katy Perry right. the same year that you could see like Devil Wears Prada yeah and you can enjoy both. Yeah. And like you're saying, it's okay to enjoy multiple genres of music. And I think at the end of the day, that's what Warp Tour is trying to do. Yeah. And it's cool. I mean, I would have loved to have been at the 98 Warp Tour and seen like people show up in full swing outfits and like dance and swing to the daddies and then like turn around and fucking mosh to something. Yeah. Because why the fuck not? We, we are complex creatures. Why can't our musical tastes be just as complex? Oh, sorry. <laughs> so I was like, wait, what are you doing? Oh, make me over. I'm all I want to be. I walk and study. In demonology. So that you can make it. Yeah, now you really made it. So glad you can make it. This is Celebrity Skin by Hole.
case you <laughs> lived under a rock your whole life and never played rock band. Most recently featured on Captain Marvel. Yep. Soundtrack. Uh, yes. Yeah. Tell me time. about it. One of the greatest music cues in film history. Hell yes. Um, honestly, while we're on the subject, real quick. Oh, God. The Just a Girl music cue in Captain Marvel is brilliantly done, and it yes. made me love No Doubt again. I know. Me too, right? I was like, do I low-key like this yeah. song now? Um, two of my favorite music cues in all of film history are um, that yep. and the Bad Reputation music cue in Kick-Ass. Nice. When Hit Girl's like busting in. Um, so good. So powerful. Mm-hmm. But I digress. So <laughs> Celebrity Skin by Hole. Um, I've mentioned Hole many times on the podcast. I love the Riot Girl movement of the 90s. It's really hard to pick songs from there knowing that none of them ever really played warp tour they were so underrepresented and honestly had they gone they would have been berated and shit would have been thrown and they would have been physically injured which breaks my heart yeah i don't think warped hot take i don't know if it is now i don't know if warped was ever a truly safe space for women ever that's the one thing we just said that warped is this like really inclusive yeah except for dudes yes for dudes correct you could add that tagged pretty much anything we say on this podcast yeah four dudes is the end of that yeah. sentence it's really unfortunate because yeah. it's not a place for us yeah. it is but it's not like we can be yeah. there and don't get me wrong We're there's tolerated. such a great kinship between a lot of women who like just met at work tour yes. that i've seen firsthand at work because it's almost like this like but okay, it always yeah, feels yeah. like we're on borrowed time and it's not for us yeah i've never had a moment in the scene where yeah. i felt like something was for me i felt like i was able to be there yes it was like we're allowing it was, it was very like much... oh it's so nice that i got this privilege yes the boys club opened their yeah. doors we're, we're the opposite of entitled to this yeah which is so unfair yeah which is crazy because i would argue that women especially teenage girls in the 2000s made up the majority of those fans well and consumer wise yeah so much shit we were buying and yeah. still buy yeah Especially in the era of Seventeen magazine and MTV, oh, yeah. drink every time I mention MTV on this pod, on this episode. But like, that's it. That's yeah. the '90s, and then the early 2000s, like fucking TRL. Oh, TRL debuted '98. They were the gatekeepers yeah. of culture for like yeah. the whole time we were growing up. Yeah. Anyway, so I picked this for that exact reason. Yes. Um, my to this day, my favorite whole work is from. <laughs> <laughs> to this day though my my favorite album by them is uh live through this which was 1994 1993 1994 um and i think their works on there i still love their newer stuff i love nobody's daughter like there's some good shit there but i think their truly best shit was their oldest shit i'm that guy so this album actually um isn't like my favorite favorite of all time but this song I come back to the song so often, even though it's an album that I don't really come to. So the album is Celebrity Skin. The the single is Celebrity Skin. I argue that I would argue that it is truly the best song on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a world where the Riot Girl movement's happening, it's in full swing. Uh, Warp Tour is happening. So much other shit's happening in the world at the same time. MTV is happening. There's this whole mainstream music thing. There's this whole deep underground music thing. Whole kind of existed in between. Yeah. I mean, they charted plenty. They were well-known. Courtney Love being with Kurt Cobain really catapulted her to fame. I would say regardless of her music, mm-hmm. no matter what music she would have put out ever, she could have been a traditional fucking opera singer and people would still berate her and shit on her, I think. Yeah. Um, but because she was in this like alternative music scene, I think it was both good and bad for her. Um, this also was my favorite era of Courtney, um, the 90s Courtney, because it was her kinder horror phase. God. 
And that was this whole like subset of, it was like on the fringes of the riot girl movement, this like kinder whore, like aesthetic of like wearing like baby doll dresses, but being like grungy and kind of like promiscuous looking and like, you know, and owning it. Um, so celebrity skin is so cool. It's a narrative about Hollywood more than anything else, but also what Hollywood represents. Everything I think whole does is representative of the body as commodity, the female body as commodity. Um, there's this constant reference to feeling used up. It's in this song. It's in so many songs of feeling used and feeling abused and that your body is something to be sold and bartered and taken from you. It's not something that you own. And she talks about it so often and it's so powerful and I love it so much. And so this song in particular, this song in particular talks about celebrity skin. She says, I'm glad I came here with your pound of flesh. There's this like religious imagery throughout and there's this idea of feeling used. There's this idea of the, she literally says, it's also sugarless hooker waitress, model actress. It's these young, beautiful women who should have so much to offer who are just used up and sad. Mm -hmm. And it's why we don't acknowledge her more, especially in light of the Me Too movement is insane mm -hmm. to me because pretty much every song she's ever released is an anthem for the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. Have you ever felt so That's why the celebrity skin era is so interesting to me, especially because this was after Kurt died. This was years after Kurt died. This was the first album they put out since their super successful album in 94. And it's about, it's the aftermath of like living in this industry, living in the music industry, being a commodity in every sense of the word and like how to go against that. Mm -hmm. I like the production. I don't think it's... It's well produced. For being very 90s and they were clearly yeah. doing like new cutting edge things... It's, I think it ages really well. It does. It does. Her vocals are really clear and good. Everybody's really on top of their instruments in a good way. Um, they utilize distortion, but in an artful way, yeah. not just for the sake of distortion. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't have those like kind of typical, like really bad 90s. Uh, like it's not heavy on a synth anywhere. It, like it doesn't have like a fade out at the end. It's mm -hmm. very deliberate in everything they're doing. Like they're really making choices for them. Um, and I think that it like goes to show that they just didn't have to rely on like kind of the gimmicks of right. the late nineties. Like they just, they had a great song. All right, here's my final pick to finish this off for tonight. Different time!
This is New Dress by Rancid. A brand new This. I flagged two different Rancid songs I, that weren't this. Well, so let's say that like Rancid very much like The Offspring at this point. So much music we could have included. Um, this is off their album Life Won't Wait, which is by no means their most famous album, actually. But this did come out in 98, mm-hmm. which is why I wanted to include it. Um, Rancid is a veteran of Warp Tour. I think Bad Religion and Rancid have yes. a, like a an embargo on Warp Tour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're like, okay, who am I going to see at Warp Tour? Obviously, Bad Religion, Rancid, and, like, and then maybe like The Offspring, Black Flag. Less than Jake. Less than Jake. <laughs> <laughs> they're always there. Even when Warp Tour is not on, they're there they're just waiting there. at the fairgrounds. Like, with their brass. They're like, yeah. is it us? They're rehearsing. They're rehearsing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is uh, Life Won't Wait. It's off of the, it's the fourth studio album. Uh, and it was released in June of 98. So right before the tour started, they mm-hmm. put out this new music and then they went on work tour. Um, it was the follow-up to And Out Come the Wolves, which came out in 95, uh, which is arguably uh, was a larger, impact, more impactful record. Um, but it's uh, this song in particular, New Dresses, it's an interesting song. It references a lot of what was going on globally at the time. They're an American punk band, but I feel like this song in particular really has a lot of sounds of the British punk scene, specifically yes. The Clash. Um, well, and is one of the guys English and rancid? I think, yes. At least one of them yeah. has a full-on ass accent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, are, they were formed in Berkeley, California, but... Uh, you might be right about the where they're. There's original. gotta be at least one dude with a full ass accent. Yeah, exactly. This album, they reference a lot of the um, troubles that were going on in Europe at the time. So this is uh, Rachel mentioned it a little bit in the '97 episode. We'll talk about some of the clashes that were happening, uh, the wars that were happening in in our episode next week. But this references the um, bombings in Bosnia, Yugoslavia, so Eastern Europe. There was a lot of, obviously, the wars happening there, the genocides um, in those areas. Uh, specifically, the lyric in this song is, Yugoslavia has been blown to bits. So they're not even, like, they're hearkening back to that old pop, or that old true punk of, uh, this is a war zone. Yeah. They also talk about Belfast. Um, one of the things that happened in 98 was the Good Friday uh, Agreement was signed yeah. for Northern Ireland. So um, they, they're they an American band, but they really play uh, songs about the same issues that were happening, and about these issues that were happening uh, globally and specifically in the UK and, and Europe. And Ireland. And Ireland. Because she's separate. She's Europe. No, I mean from the UK. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, true. Um, we get, again, that same kind of religious indifference mixed between the lies, lines. Again... Your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. So 
the the chorus of this song is working class girl puts her money to the test she's got a new dress she's gonna look her best yugoslavia has been burned to bits yeah she's got a new dress she's looking to the west so again just like Mm -hmm. the other songs we've talked about tonight it it kind of is a bit all eyes on america because a lot of the world is going to ship and america's still trying to be this like beacon of the American dream and what we saw in a lot of the songs tonight is that that isn't the case in America right um yet we have all of these other countries and these other people really looking towards us and, right. and we're already fucked up enough um so the really interesting thing about this album I think for Rancid was that they I, and which makes sense because it was what their, their did I say their fourth yeah mm-hmm. their fourth studio album once you get to your fourth studio album you gotta try some new stuff the Beatles did it. Everybody's done it, right? You gotta, you gotta go out there and explore some new sounds. So they included um, a, a little bit more ska. Uh, they already had ska, like as a as an influence, but I think there's a couple songs because I flagged uh, a couple songs from the same album, and there's one that's straight up a ska song. Yes, it's just like it straight is. up full brass ska, this, and I was like, I thought Rancid yeah. was punk. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. You you hear Rancid and you're like, oh yeah, they gotta be heavy punk. No, this album had. A lot of different musical instru- uh, influences. You can really hear that they that they went out and um, first of all, there are like twenty two songs on this album. It is a huge album. Granted, most of them are about two and a half minutes, but there are a handful of songs that are at least three minutes long, if not four. Uh, Corazon de uh, Oro is a real, really ska. They also looked at. Um, they had more like reggae vibes in this album, right. and yeah, I love it. it's a twenty-two song album, but it's an hour. Ex- right, exactly. It's an hour yeah. and four minutes total for twenty-two songs. Exactly. So it's um, it's a huge, it's a really long album. Lots of, and so you could really see that they, I think, by the time they got to their fourth album, were trying to, you know, figure out maybe what, what else they could do, what else they could include. It was right. this was kind of the like test two album of like. Let's put a lot of stuff in, and whatever songs really stick will be maybe what we go for for the fifth album, which I think if you listen to their next album is, is true to an extent. So, I mean, this song in general, I, I think what might be notable about this song is that it's, besides that the lyrics and where they're coming from, is there are some really nice harmonies that they include, uh, which are really gentle and kind of in the background, which aren't, again, is really not a punk sound. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of, go, they're reaching out there. Um this was the first, they, they broke from the Epitaph record label when they produced this. This was on, I believe, Hellcat, which was Billy Joe Armstrong's. But isn't Hellcat an offshoot of Epitaph? Yes, it is. So, so they didn't fully bite the hand that feeds. Yeah. They, tru- they didn't truly say, fuck you to bad religion. No, exactly. Who they run just, Epitaph? The yeah. late singer runs Epitaph. They just kind of moved yeah. over a little bit. They scooted over. Yeah. I think it was also to lend an air of legitimacy to Hellcat, which was, I think, newer, wasn't it, yes, at this it, point? Bill, Billy Joe had just put it together pretty much. Right. Um, so this this record uh, in recent, more recent years has gained a pretty strong cult following. Again, it didn't do as well as their album right before, um, but it was, uh, it was still, it was still a pretty decent album and I mean it's a it's a good song in general again it, it hits all the same themes that we've been talking about and we you know Rancid like we said is they're really like the f- forefathers of this of Warped Tour and yeah we had to get them on 
So 98. <laughs> yeah. It's just so funny because they do seem so distinctly like a, an English band. Yeah. But they were formed in California. I'm really glad you picked this because I had two different rancid songs I was considering and I ended up picking neither. There we go. So I'm really glad we're talking about them. I completely agree with everything you said. They're so hugely placed within the larger world of Warped Tour, but especially this year. Mm-hmm. I think they were they were really established. They made that switch label-wise, but they were able to do that because they were like under this epitaph umbrella. They were successful. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I think in this year that I th- that is the true year of warped tour globalization. Mm-hmm. This song that you picked, I think the the woman in this song I see is like a a late '90s new millennium equivalent of like Manifest Destiny, like mm-hmm. a European punk Manifest Destiny. Mm-hmm. So I think that's so interesting that you picked that song in particular in the year that warped tour expanded around the world. Yeah. And in a in a year that has so many big political punk songs about America, yeah. and Rancid so clearly shifts their focus to yes. the UK and to Europe. Yeah. And I the songs that I picked were Life Won't Wait, yep. title track, yep. and 1998. Yeah. They have a track yeah. called 1998. Those are the two that I was thinking of, yeah. Shout out to whoever posted it on the internet nine years ago. <laughs> I googled about 1998, just about who it was specifically about, mm-hmm. to see if I was right. And... Um, Pretty sure, with the help of one commenter from nine years ago on, like, Metro Lyrics or something, <laughs> pretty sure it's about Dee Dee Ramone. Oh. Yeah. yeah. That would make sense. Pretty sure it's about Dee Dee Ramone's life story and addiction issues and hanging out with uh, Sid Vicious. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. So interesting. But I, I almost picked 1998, and it was it's one of the ones that I lopped off really last minute that I swapped out for Less Than Jake. <laughs> um but ni- the track 1998 especially is actually about the bulk of the song is about the 70s yeah and they place you within the world of punk's heyday yes. especially in america yeah in the 70s and then tell this narrative of this guy who had a shitty upbringing was totally strung out was fucking around was on so many drugs and mm-hmm. then flash forward to 1998 and the same shit is happening yeah so i think i applaud rancid for being I mean, like you said, this album has a lot of ska influence. There's a lot. They're all over the place kind of genre-wise. Mm-hmm. But I still think of them as like a true blue punk band as opposed to yeah. a pop punk band. Yeah. Because of these themes. Because of their music, their vocal stylings. But especially because of these themes. Because they turned their attention to the past of punk specifically. Right. And they're like, cool, you all like wearing your fucking Clash t-shirts and your Misfits t-shirts. Right. But... Dee Dee Ramone was strung out and his right. life was ruined. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, know your hair, history. And especially the opiate yeah. crisis, especially in the 90s when heroin chic was right. mainstream and cool. Yeah. And Kurt Cobain's death didn't really change that at all. We're still in a massive opioid crisis in yeah. America. I think it's so important to talk about. There's just so much going on with Rancid and they're so political, but they're still very palatable. Yeah. The political is palatable in our pop punk world. Right. Shadows of soldiers laying nearby The dead ones finally reach a compromise Suction of war lies in bars the earth The destruction of war lies in bars the earth
crushed it. <laughs> Two of my honorable mentions are okay. rancid tracks, so that's a win. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So the honorable mentions that we have for tonight, again, um, there's a lot of great music that came out in 98. Um, a lot of bands that played Warped Tour that had really um, memorable and um, important music. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for me... I only have a. I, I usually only have a couple honorable mentions just because there's so many. I like to keep it pretty brief. The one that I will mention, of course, is the Offspring "Pretty Fly for a White Guy." Yep. This was off that same album, Americana. It is probably by far their most well-known song. And it's so representational of the like tongue-in-cheek, yes. silly white dude warp tour vibe. Yes. Um, it's a. Uh, it's a fun song. Go listen to it. It's the intro is silly and, and good, um, but. Definitely that. And then <laughs> my other... So one of the big things that I realized listening back to 1998 music was that I... The music from 98 that really sticks with me is like adult alternative contemporary and mm-hmm. then like in sync and Christina Aguilera, <laughs> Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys. Like the uh, Bewitch Spice Girls. Like mm-hmm. because that's... I was seven. So it was like very much that was the music I was listening to was like very much pop so listening back it is funny to remember some of those really great like rom-com songs that were really big in late 90s one of which is saved a night by eagle eye cherry most of my other honorable mentions from 98 really aren't more tour adjacent but they same exactly you said that vibe of we're going into the new millennia in you know in, in two years a year and a half and everybody's kind of looking back and saying, you know, what have we come through in the past 50, 100,000 years? Where are we going? And um, so I only, like I said, I usually only have a couple honorable mentions just because Mm -hmm. there's so much music and it's really hard to just pick a couple, but Mm -hmm. I almost put Pretty Fly for White Guy because... Yeah. I mean, I get it. It's the offspring. Yeah. Yeah. All right, what about you? Is that it? I have so many honorable mentions. I'll keep it brief. Um, I actually stuck within the Warped Tour lineup hard this nice. time. But uh, Do or Die by Dropkick Murphys slaps. Yes. The reason I didn't pick it is he's just so hard to understand in it. I feel like more so than usual. Yeah. Like I had no idea he's what he was saying. Drunk. <laughs> Usually I can kind of guess. I have no idea. So I recommend Do or Die by Dropkick Murphys. That's a fun one. My Bad Religion ones, No yeah. Substance. And The State of the End of the Millennium was a track I really wanted to bring up for this reason of what we just talked yeah. about. Um, but if you listen to it, it reminds me a lot. It feels like the precursor to Admit It by Say Anything. Ooh. It's very much like a monologue yeah. set to music. And it's just waxing poetic about what's wrong with everything. And he literally calls himself like a self-appointed spokesperson at one point. I'm like, it. what a... Max Bemis must have heard this song. Right, Max Because it feels very similar to Admit It, which is one of my favorite songs of all time. Yes. Uh, and it's just, it's it's that perfect balance of, like, white punk dude where he feels like a spokesperson and he feels put upon to say something, but also he knows that he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Which I love. So those two songs, especially because that, that album art is so interesting and, like, so indicative of this time as well. I recommend you look it up. Um, and then Bad Religion, I had Raise Your Voice. I literally almost picked and bumped at the last minute as well. So I had three Bad Religion songs on my list. But nice. Raise Your Voice at the top of it, they're talking. And they literally say, like, I think this would be a great song because we can translate it to all of the countries we travel to. Because it's literally just bop, 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 Raise Your Voice is the whole <laughs> yeah, song. right. So it's funny. But also, it's like, yeah, but they fucking knew Bad Religion was going to fucking Japan and Sweden and Canada and Australia and all these places. And it was very representational of that 
globalization yep. that I mentioned. So I had to pick that as well. And then MXPX was my other one. Uh, uh, the Downfall of yeah. Western Civilization I was real tempted by. It feels very pop punk. And then finally, Hepcat. I mentioned them a couple times. It breaks my heart I didn't mention them. I knew you'd hate the song if I played it. Oh. But Hepcat's super sweet. The single in particular that I'm talking about is called I Can't Wait. And um, they played 1998 Warp Tour. They're a great staple of ska and what i really love about them is they're like true blue rock steady jamaican influence and they're a group of men of color and they played warped multiple times and they still play occasionally several band members have passed at this point because they're just old right but um hepcat i just want to mention them and it broke my heart that i picked white dudes over them but the song didn't fit within the warped tour vibe and within the overarching 1998 political vibe i wanted to talk about yeah but I recommend Have Cat, especially if you like Ska. They're very fun. Zoe will hate it, but they're very fun. <laughs> the end. I'm so sorry. Amazing. So obviously lots of amazing things to go listen to for 98. There was a lot of stuff we couldn't get to tonight. Otherwise we would have like six hour show. So um, hopefully you enjoyed what we picked. If you thought differently of 98 or if you were on the same wavelength as us, please let us know on our social medias. We're on Facebook, MySpace, Instagram, Twitter. Follow us. Um, most platforms, it's at Warp to Remember. Twitter, it's going to be at the number two remember. Uh, Warped number, number two, two remember. remember. Yeah. Um, so follow us there. Give us recommendations as well. Tell Absolutely. us what we missed. Absolutely. Um, we, yeah, we definitely want some feedback, uh, what you think. If you are so inclined, please leave us a rating and review on Apple. We had a lovely person leave us a very lovely review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. That was very kind. Um, but let us know what you really think. We, we're so interested because this is just a fun passion project for us. We are, you know, we know there's so many people out there that enjoy this music too and enjoy this scene. So um, we'd love to connect with you and see what your thoughts are and um, what you would like to hear from us and what special episodes you'd love for us to cover. So anything else for us tonight from Miss Rachel? Tell me if you also like Hepcat. Like people who like ska, <laughs> please come talk to me on social media because I need to feel yeah. seen and heard. Because <laughs> I'm not going to do it first. So <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you to our listeners. Love you. Leave us a review. Everything Zoe said. A plus. All right. Catch us next time on A Work to Remember. Bye. So, <laughs> jumped out the window, crash, crash. I was actually just so revved up by my three <laughs> song choices that my feet became a segue <laughs> and I wheeled out. All Scott right. does that to me, baby. <laughs>